March 22nd, 1860, Providence, Rhode Island. A group of men are standing around in the backyard of an old house. Some are huddled over a pile of diagrams, drawings of garden plots that have notes scribbled all over them. Others stand by with these pointed iron rods, ready to stab them into the earth. They're looking for soil with a soft texture to it, kind of loose. That will tell them if anyone has dug there before. Because this group is looking for a body. But no one can agree on where it is. They've gone around to the neighbors, people who've lived in the town for a long time, to see if they have any memories about where this body could be. And finally, after digging and digging, they find something. But it's not quite what they're looking for. Unless, maybe, it is. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we're taking you to Providence, where the hunt to memorialize Rhode Island's founder created one of the state's strangest and most enduring myths. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In the middle of Providence, Rhode Island, is an old 18th century mansion. Today, it's a museum, the John Brown House. If you go in the back, there's an exhibit in the house's old woodshed. It's a coffin-shaped display behind a chicken wire fence. And there's something inside. We have a lot of really different reactions that we get from people who see it. Some people are like, what's the stick? Oh, is this like a divining rod? Like, what is this actual item? This is Kelvis Hernandez, and he's the manager of the John Brown House. And what he is describing isn't just any old stick. It's a root from an apple tree. And if you take a closer look at the root's shape, you start to notice something. It looks a little bit like a man. Measured out, it's probably about, you know, five feet or so. This stick comes almost completely straight down at the top until it branches out to make two smaller uh, kind of branches where it then kicks back up at the bottom. The shape of the root has a spine, two legs, even feet. And that's why some people believe something pretty 
fantastic about it. So this is the tree root that ate Roger Williams. I like to affectionately call it uh, Old Raj. The very tree root that ate Roger Williams, the founder of Rhode Island. So supposedly when he was buried in the back of his property, uh, he was buried right and under an apple tree. So now after 200 years, you can see the apple tree has then opened up the casket and broken through the wood of the casket. That way it can now start wrapping down the spine of Roger Williams, where we see this long post of the tree root. It breaks off at his pelvis, going down both of his legs and then kicking back up at his feet where he would have actually have been laying as he was interned in his grave. Okay, we will get back to where this all came from in a minute. But first, to understand why this route is so important in Rhode Island, we have to understand why Roger Williams is so important in Rhode Island. He's one of, if not the most famous Rhode Islander. He's the one that everybody talks about. There's always jokes that they have. Like, if you're going to name something, you know, your best bet uh, for, for naming a building, for naming anything in Rhode Island, you might as well just slap on... Roger Williams. Roger Williams was born in England and became a minister there. In the 1630s, he moved to North America to the newly established Massachusetts Bay Colony. And the colony was founded, of course, by Puritans, people who thought that the Church of England was corrupt and wanted to practice their own extremely strict version of Protestantism. And the Puritans offered Williams a job as a reverend. And to their shock, he said, absolutely not. He didn't agree with how much power that religion had, you know, the church had over the state and state affairs. So he had started preaching all of his kind of beliefs, and that really rubbed the wrong way with a lot of the leadership of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So he was told uh, upon threat of death that he had to be exiled. And if he didn't leave, that was that. Facing arrest, Williams fled the colony in the middle of the night in a blizzard. And when spring finally arrived, he headed farther south. And it's worth mentioning that Williams likely would have died if not for the aid of the Wampanoag people who sheltered him and the Narragansett people who later taught him how to survive off the land and the water. And Williams did survive. Soon, friends, family, and followers joined Williams. And they formed a new community. Which he named Providence after God's divine providence of getting him to a safe place. In Providence, Williams and his followers set out to create a society where church and state were separate. They had no central place of worship. People practiced religion at home or in the homes of others. And no central church meant there was no central cemetery either. When people died, they were just buried at home in the backyard. And so even though Williams was a leader of this new colony, he was no different. When he died in 1683, he too was buried in the family plot, in an unmarked grave. As the years went by, family members got married, they moved away, the house burned down, the ground was leveled, and the final resting place of the founder of Rhode Island was lost to history. Over the next century, Providence grew into a real city. The old family plots became crisscrossed with new roads. Some even cut right through those unmarked graves. One man got a pretty unpleasant surprise while gardening 
when he pulled up his cabbage and found a skull entangled in its roots. And when people came across these old remains, they would relocate them to the city's new burial ground. But as the 1800s rolled around, there was still a pretty important person in the history of the state who didn't have a public burial place. Roger Williams. What happens then is that many, many more Rhode Islanders are starting to think, hey, this is a very important guy. You know, maybe we should do something more for this person who created our city, who is one of the founders of our state. And this is when this real search for his unmarked grave occurs 200 years after his death. In 1860, a group of prominent Provident citizens got together and set out to track down Roger Williams' grave. They talked to older city residents and dug through old letters and newspaper articles, and they managed to narrow the location down to an old apple orchard that they believed was on Williams' property. And on March 22, 1860, they set out with iron spikes, shovels, and their diagrams and maps of the area. And they started digging. They dug through the soft turf, and they dug, and they dug, and they came across the outlines of seven graves. Four adults, three children. Carefully, carefully, they scraped away the earth from the bottom of the grave. And what they actually find is all these kinds of different pieces of oily soil, fragments of teeth or of hair, uh, and like nails and, you know, decomposing wood, all this other kind of stuff that, you know, over 200 years of whoever was buried there, there wouldn't be much left. So it's only those kinds of things that take longer to actually decompose. But as they stared down into the pit that they had dug, they also saw something else. The root of an apple tree. The root pushed downward towards the precise spot that had been occupied by the skull of Roger Williams, said one man in the crew named Zachariah Allen. It took on, Allen said, a resemblance to the outline of the skeleton of Roger Williams, as if, indeed, molded thereto by the powers of vegetable life. Still, the group was disappointed. They had not found a skeleton, just this weird root. Allen even recalled everyone looked accusingly at the apple tree as if it was a body thief. He said it had been caught in the act of robbing a grave and appropriating the contents to its own vice, reincorporating them into its living trunk and branches. (laughs) What a scoundrel. Maybe that explains what they did next. They exhumed the root, and then they gave it to the Rhode Island Historical Society. And they are still the keepers of that root to this day. Whenever I describe it to people, I do describe it as one of Rhode Island's uh, myths or legends. There is no way to know that this was actually Roger Williams. There's no way to know that this was actually in his grave. But it's still a big part of what is now his legacy. Today, the legend of the Roger Williams root has taken on a life of its own. It's told in schools to kids when they learn about the history of Rhode Island. And Kelvis says, sure, there are plenty of people who walk up to its chicken wire-covered coffin and ask, what is that stick? (laughs) But other people visit the museum specifically to see it. We actually have descendants of the Williams family who come to the museum 
And they'll say, oh, you know, I've been doing a lot of uh, genealogy work on my family, and I heard that there was the tree root here, and I just want to see it. I just want to gain some of that kind of connection to my past. And I was like, oh, yeah, Grandpa Old Raj is right over here. You, too, can visit Old Raj. Uh, you can see it at the John Brown House Museum in Providence, and they are open Tuesday through Saturday. Say hi for me. Special thanks to Kelvis Hernandez for telling us the story of the Roger Williams route. And you can check out our show notes for more information on Williams and his complex relationship with the indigenous people in the area. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Amanda McGowan. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com there is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue Panting! You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 